Welcome to Southern Discomfort. This is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Southern tales of the weird, wild, mysterious, unusual, voodoo, Voodoo. cryptids, hauntings. Are you intrigued yet? This is Southern Discomfort. Southern Discomfort. And now, your hosts, April and Christine. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. If you're listening, then you've probably heard us before. And if that's the case, thank you so much. And if you're new, then welcome. Um, and, just, and before we get started, if you like what you hear, then please rate us five stars on Apple or wherever you rate your podcast. Uh, and also consider following us on social media. We're at Southern Discomfort PC on Instagram and at So Disco PC on Twitter, Southern Discomfort Podcast on Facebook, um, or you can contact us at Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com or Southern Discomfort at podbean.com. So, hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> you ready for this one? <laughs> I hope y'all are uh, because certainly you're going to need. You're probably going to need an adult beverage for this. And um, today on tap, we have, uh, on our drink du jour, we have The Floor is Lava. And it's from Pontoon Brewing. There's that word again. There's that word again. I cannot do I can't do I can't do it. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. Brewing. In brewing. Sa- <laughs> a brewery. But it's Pontoon Brewing. That just doesn't even sound right. All right. I give up. Anyway. Yes. In Sandy Springs, Georgia. Because our story actually begins in Georgia. And it certainly does not stay there long. It twists and turns, as you will see. But um, this is a New England-style milkshake IPA. And it has two pounds of real strawberries, guava, kiwi, and then um, they age it on vanilla and lactose, and they, it creates a fruity, creamy IPA. It's actually pretty good. <clears throat> it is bitter. Um, Kirstie, I don't know if that you would like this, but <laughs> it does have a refreshing, like it hits your mouth, um, just a cool, refreshing. You can taste those fruity flavors, but um, at the end, it does have that bitter like it just end with that bitter, bitter hitchy with that bitter finish. But um, overall, I could certainly drink one. Um, but I but I like it. Um, I think I'm starting to actually get a taste for these IPAs. You know, drink it. I'm trying to pair them with our shows, but it's um, that's good. It's an acquired taste, and okay, I'm here for it. But um, it's so it's described as dangerously good for those who dare to drink. No touchy. No touchy. It actually does say that. So, and it does, I mentioned it was bitter, so it does have 40 IBUs. And for those, um, maybe not so much in the know, the IBUs, uh, that's a scale, and it's 1 to 100. And this measures the amount of isomer, isomerized alpha acids in beer. So the hops, they contain alpha acids, and when they're boiled, these alpha acids, they come isomerized, and this breaks down their physical structure, and that's what gives it that bitter flavor. So 40. Right, science. Who knew? Chemistry and beer. So that's what gives it that, I mean, really, if you, yeah, that's what gives it the favorite, the words, what even are they? (laughs) That's what gives it the bitter flavor. And it being 40 on a scale from 1 to 100, you're almost getting midline there. So it, it does yeah. have a bitter snap to it. But all in all, it's, it's good and refreshing. So check I it mean, out. It, it, this actually sounds like one I would try. Yeah. I, I, think, you, yeah. I think you had me at milkshake. Yeah, th- that's it does. And then I was thinking, milkshake, how does that equate in a beer? But it it's creamy. It's mm-hmm. It's fruity and creamy, which actually works. Cool. Probably super filling too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why you know that could, said you can. I would probably only have one, but certainly you can check it out. At Floor is lava because I remember my kids. I was going, no, floor is lava. So I was drawn <laughs> to this one when I saw it. I had a couple I could choose from, and I said, you know what? 
I'm drawn to that because it's really cute. Um, I was gonna say it's got really cute artwork. It does. It's got these uh, <laughs> Hawaiian tiki guys <laughs> dancing on slices of kiwi with lava, and it's pink. And you know, I'm a, I pay the pink post, tax. Yeah, post a picture. I'll have to. I certainly will. So now that you have your beer or your drinks. Let's board this pirate ship and sail the treacherous seas and get uncomfortable. Let's do this. Oh, man. Can I just... Okay. So, can I just say, like, this story is to say that it twists and turns is a serious understatement. So, you know, if you come for us, please be gentle because... (laughs) love that this was not easy to do but definitely gonna be so fun to tell i think so it's tragic as it is yes and look hey we're we're getting outside of our comfort zone here so like there's that it's in our name (laughs) well right but i meant like outside of louisiana but right yeah it's in our name it's like it's double entendre yeah. In our name to be uncomfortable. Yes, which is why we picked this one for sure. <laughs> but we're also outside of our geographic location that we always definitely. I'm talking about way, way outside. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you that don't like banner, here we go. So <laughs> without further ado, our story begins in Barnesville, Georgia, and Barnesville, Georgia is about an hour from Atlanta, and in the 1940s which is where our story begins. It had a population of about 3.5 thousand, and today has double that. It has about 6.5 thousand. It was founded in 1826 and named after a local tavern owner, Gideon Barnes, and it was um, named the buggy capital of the South. So I thought this was cute because I don't know if I've, I don't think I've told this story on here before, and I'm not gonna tell it, but I'll just give you a little glimpse that you know when you're get outside the south when people make fun of you for calling shopping carts buggies. Yep. <laughs> First hand. Even know that's actually yeah happened to me before too. So, um, so they were they produced all these buggies, and the south they even produced them for um or created crafted them for presidents. This is a major hospital site also for the wounded Southern troops during the Civil War. So, have you ever heard of Sharp Objects on HBO? Yes, that is such a great show. I never watched it, but I'll have to check into that. Um, It is a miniseries, and it was filmed there, and it starred Amy Adams. This is around 2018. Oh, um... So June 17, 1943, in Barnesville, Georgia, Franklin Delano Floyd was born um, to his parents, which is Thomas H. Floyd, and then his mother was Della Jewel Fowler Floyd. He had That's three. Right? right? <laughs> Say that however many times you want to. Fast. But um, he had three sisters and one brother. So they were Dorothy, Billy, Shirley, Tommy, him, which was his sister, and Tommy his, with an E, right? A white E. So, and Floyd was the youngest. So, Floyd's father was an alcoholic, and he died um, in 1944 from liver and kidney failure. So, I actually did look this up because I, I just hear that, and it, I was just really curious as to how much would you have to drink to actually die from complications from that um and I, can, I think it was like three ounces a day for like 10 years and any kind of increments how you or wonder that. if it was wonder if he died from acute alcohol uh, like could, organ failure oh uh, could have been too yeah or was it cirrhosis i don't uh, i really couldn't find much about he was that. young i think okay ish I, young ish okay which, that's a lot. But you know what? That's a hard time. So, I mean, you know, wow. That, Suffice it to say he was a raging alcoholic. Yeah. And then um, two years later, Della, she struggled to make a living. And so um, January 1946, she placed her children in Georgia Baptist Children's Home. This was in Hateful, Georgia. 
hate feel. I think that sounded like hate feel. It was a P. So, <laughs> anyway, um, Floyd was bullied there, and um, this was because he was um, considered feminine. So they they bullied him. He was even. It was reported that he was even sodomized with a broom at age six. I mean, I can't even imagine. So um, also. In his teens, he was caught masturbating, and they put his hand in some boiling water. Oh. So, so you're right. So he suffered terribly at, at your you know formidable age growing up. So, um, so, so he got in trouble for fighting and stealing, as you can imagine. I mean, you dad died. Your mom put you in this home. You do have your siblings there, but also you know you're being tormented. And I, I, right. And before we get too caught up on like how bad he was mistreated, like just keep in mind um, that is a contributing factor, but he is no way should be an excuse for the tale that will unfurl. Yeah. And so the mom goes, uh, you know, there's some things I read said she goes to Florida. Another thing, um, another source you know in it was indianapolis but at any rate um she goes into sex work yes after the kids are yeah yes so so floyd he ran away well actually he went he was in the uh, custody of his sister after he ran away but he broke into a nearby house to steal food so um, I'm not sure what's happening there. Maybe he was just hungry, but he was young at that point too. And you're right, their mom Della, she she married four times, but she was back and forth and all over the place as well. And it is sad, like she left her kids behind, but also at the same time, it's like, are you just you're bouncing around from man to man to man, and then I don't know, are you trying to get your kids back? I don't know, maybe to read too much into that but so 1948 Della she married and she was living in Broward County Florida in 52 she divorces her husband so that didn't last long and then in 52 she marries another man in West Palm Beach Florida then they divorce eventually he remarries another woman in 1960 and that's um they're in Indianapolis I'm sorry, Minneapolis, Indiana. I didn't even know that was a place, but um, 1950s. Okay, <laughs> that must be where the Indianapolis came in. So yes. it is Minneapolis, Indiana. Okay, yes. gotcha. Yes, and so for some reason up north, it kind of gets crazy like that because I've been to Iowa, and there is Louisiana, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of places like that, it's very, I think there's also a Louisiana, Missouri that's yeah, it's, it is. It starts to get confusing, but yes, okay. And then just a side note, there is a I-O-W-A, Louisiana, but they pronounce it I-O-A. <laughs> yeah, but it's <laughs> right, or Iowa. No, because Iowa is Iowa, not Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> right, get it right. So... Yeah. In 1956, Della is living in West Palm Beach, Florida now. So she, I guess she's like staying in the Florida area there. So, um, and then in 55, her fourth her fourth husband, he was working at a gas station in Chicago. And then there is an incident there. So there's a legal docu. It's documented legally that there's a robbery, which didn't involve Floyd, but um, that actually made the papers. So, and then, um, 1957, Dorothy, so Floyd's sister, okay, and so Franklin, Delano Floyd, I'm just going to refer to him as Floyd all the way throughout. He, just warning, he does change his name a lot. There's, in fact, these characters change their name and aliases, and they move around a lot. So, I'm just going to call him Floyd going forward. That's good. You know, that's a good, yeah, um name because it does get so confusing oh yeah you have to i mean not that floyd is anyway 1957 dorothy living and she's living in sumter south carolina so and then her mother comes to visit and dorothy tries to send her mother home on a bus 
And it's noted that an unpleasant incident occurs, and Della is arrested for drunk and disorderly and is jailed in Sumter for several months in 1956. So there's that. Um, the mom? The, that's the mom. The mom was at the, the daughter's house, Floyd's sister, and Stirred up <laughs> an unpleasant incident was otherwise known as an unpleasant incident occurred. It Unpleasant. Come on now. She went to jail. She started up some shit. Sounds like it. So, in 1959, Floyd runs away from the children's home, and he traveled to Indianapolis to search for his mother, Della, and he found out that she had become a prostitute. Get yourself a prostitute. That's a throwback to um, Storyville. So Floyd and Della, <laughs> they forged le- legal documents to allow him to go to California to enlist in the Army because he was too young at the time, but he wanted to go into the Army. Don't know really how I feel about that. I don't know if he's trying to get his life around or if he's, I don't know. Either way, he forged documents. And and he... So, so he had his mom helping him to do this. And then he served six months in Missouri and Oklahoma. But then they discovered that he was underage and his papers were falsified. And then he was kicked out of the Army. But here's the thing. There were people that actually did that. Like, that was not uncommon. And people didn't even really get caught for that. So they must have done a pretty bad job. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, since... Okay, so... You know, he was made fun of when he was younger for being effeminate. Um, And then also um, fast forward to when later in life, he's still regarded as this. um, Well, he's a small person. And so he's still regarded as maybe like um, I, I think somebody described him as being just this little mousy guy. Um, so they were probably, they probably looked at him in the service and they were like, there's no way this kid is old enough to be here. They should have given him this super soldier serum. What was his, <laughs> what was his name? Help me out of here. Then he, once he's kicked out of the army, not the air force for being too young and his documents falsified, he's, um, sent by a bus to his sister house sister's house in Gainesville, Georgia, and then her husband sends him away. There's no other information on that that I could find anyway, so that was kind of, that's interesting. So maybe he just knew, like, he was no good. Um, then he tried to find his mother again, but was unable to, and then after that, he just became a drifter. He just became, uh, you know, let me just drift along the, the country. And in 1960... At 16, Floyd breaks into a Sears store in Inglewood, California to steal a gun. So th- there's a a shootout that happened at Pursuits, and they end up on the top of the roof of the store. I mean, this is wild. Like, in 1960, they end up on the roof. There's this thing of chase, and he's subsequently shot in the back. I've also seen stomach, but I've seen back more than I've seen stomach in reports. Um, and this is by Officer Jack O. McGregor at 4 a.m. So this is like 4 a.m. in the morning. They're on the rooftop in the shootout. Sears. With this kid. Yeah. Yeah, because he's 16. So then he went to Centinella Hospital. And this is where they performed surgery. And then they transported him to the General Hospital uh, prison ward. Um, in 1961... Floyd, he violated his parole, but he went on a camping trip with his uh, parolee, James Marvin, to either Alaska or Canada. And I've seen this a couple of times, like Alaska or Canada. I mean, I guess so, because they're both right up there together. <laughs> but um, I've also seen Canada. So uh, in my notes, I like circle Canada, but I don't, I don't know. It's Alaska, Canada. It's up there. We're far, far away. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then he's taken into custody for, uh, for his parole violation, and then they return him to the Preston Youth Facility. Yeah, because keep in mind, he's still young. He's, he's still, still a kid. Yes. Um, then he's released from the youth facility. 
Um, and then he goes to live with his sister in Gainesville, Georgia. And uh, then he procures a job at the Atlanta International Airport. I thought that was pretty fascinating, but I guess the standards were pretty loose. Then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hello. Like, I mean, clearly they TW. didn't have sophisticated background checks. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it was pre-911, so there you go. Um, and so in, then he returns to Hateful, Georgia, and he lived near the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. But he was arrested and and um, thrown in jail for obtaining a license under false pretenses. So already he's, you know, he's causing fights. He's having shootouts. He's already had surgery. And now he's like, he's just up to no good. He's going down a path, right? Like he's definitely going down a path. I mean, he's already had a hard start, but he's certainly going down a path. So, and 62... This and this is when he's nineteen. So he abducts a four-year-old girl from Hateville, Georgia, in a bowling alley, and he rapes her in the woods nearby. So now this is taking a turn. Now we're not stealing guns. We're we're not just you know stealing food. Now we've gone to like raping four-year-old girls. And now yeah, and she's got bite marks on her genitals which i mean is heinous yeah bite marks and that's how semen on her genitals like horrific um so he's convicted of child molestation and kidnapping and sentenced to 20 years um this is where he was incarcerated at the reedsville prison in atlanta georgia so then he was um so he's hospitalized in Midgeville State Hospital for psychiatric psychiatric testing. I guess they think that's some kind of psychotic break that you do that instead of more criminal. I'm not sure, but um, there he escapes the Midgeville Hospital. He stole a car, and he um, I have he bought a pellet gun or a no. gun. I didn't see that. Okay, so either way, I guess he. But a Pelagon is not a firearm, so I don't guess it matters. But he has a weapon. I guess we're just, that's notable. Because he's a fugitive. So the thing to point out here that even though it's a, it's, was a pellet gun, it's still a gun that he was used, that he used for intimidation purposes that people, um, that he wanted people to think that he actually had a gun. Because I'm sure it looked like a real gun. So that's the, um, that's just the takeaway there. Because he didn't get it just to just, oh, let me see, I have a pellet gun. He actually is, um, he had it to intimidate people. Well, and if, let's face it, if this guy could have gotten his hands on an actual gun, he would have. It, right. Very good point. That's right. So then he, and then that's what he did. So he robbed the citizens in Southern Bank of $6,810.28. This is in Macon, Georgia. But did he, get, like, grab that D- those dimes, <laughs> like, like, the, the nickel and those three pennies in there too. While you have it, <laughs> that twenty-eight cents. That's that's yeah. Add some humor in this. It is kind of funny, but I guess when you're like making your way off, like w- uh, like you got a stash, you're making your way. You're not like, oh, let me make sure it's all solid dollar bills. <laughs> we ain't got time for that. We just need to get it in the bag when we go. It go. Did he have a bag? Like, with a dollar sign. Like, right. Okay, anyway, so he's arrested the same day, and then he's held in Atlanta for um, April 4th to June 28th in 1963. And he actually confessed to the bank robbery, but he said he did it to get the money to appeal for his child molestation conviction. Oh, okay. So that makes it okay. Like, you could steal. Like, I'm just stealing this money just because I need to. I, I'm sure the whole time he's like, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. This didn't happen. It wasn't me. Framed. Well, I mean, he's justifying his. his uh... Right. One action for the other. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Peace. He's a peace. So he actually pled. Then he pled guilty to the robbery you're making. Um, and he was sentenced to 15 years in the Chillicothe Reformatory in Ohio for the bank robbery. And he served a sentence there 
um, from July 63 to October 63. So not long. You didn't get very long if you robbed a bank at $6,000 and <laughs> change. So there he attempts to escape. This is pretty funny. He hop wired a um, prison fire truck and he smashed through a fence. But he was apprehended because he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> His plan was thwarted by a fence. <laughs> right. right. So, did You didn't see that? Bro? I mean, right. Or did he I maybe mean, thought that this fire truck could take it? I could take that fence. So, so he was transferred to the U.S. Penitentiary, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And he served a sentence there so from 63 to 64. Still, like, he does these short stints. This is, like, so infuriating. Like, what? I don't know. In the 60s, like, what was going on? I mean, I guess it's just robbery. I don't know. But, wow, he just does these short little stints. So, there he was repeatedly raped and by the inmates until he couldn't take it anymore. So he goes up to the roof and he threatened to jump off and commit suicide. Why he didn't do it? And then our story would end there. And right. And that would be great. Like, really? So you were just just uh, pretending like you were going to do that. So um, from there, he's transferred to Springfield, Missouri Medical Hospital. Like, they keep taking, like, they keep, keep taking him out of jail and putting him into these hospitals for evaluation and then then he's transferred to the federal prison in illinois so he re- did receive a ged and um god the transferred again <laughs> gets the prison in georgia to finish the molestation this is 68 he's transferred again to finish his molestation sentence and he meets an inmate there david dial um and then he's remanded over to the federal prison in Atlanta. So, like, wow, he's going back and forth, Illinois, Georgia. And he's making Ohio. his round through the system, too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, 1968, his mom, Della, dies. Um, she's actually in Chicago. Um, that's where she ended up. Um, then he's also, in 71, he's transferred again to uh, federal prison in Atlanta, this is for the escape, for the attempt in Chillicothe, Ohio. This is where you're talking about. You're like, this is like goes all over the place. He's doing this, and then he gets caught for that, and he's on parole for this, and he gets caught for that. So in 19, November 1972, Floyd's released to a halfway house. 1973, he's paroled. So, wow. Like, you, I guess they didn't have these three strikes. Oh, no, that was, that was before the three strikes. Jeez, um, oh, I mean, he's a, a candidate for why they should, yeah. So, while he's on, let's see, okay, so in 1972, he's released and then goes into the halfway house, right? Okay, he's on parole. One week later, he attacks a woman at a gas station, um, rapes her, she escapes, um, so... He gets arrested again and he posts bail, but then he absconds and um, bounces around from 1972 and then turns up again in 1974 as Brandon Williams in North Carolina. This dude, God, can you settle down? Because I can't keep up. I can't keep up with you. You're going to have to calm down. Okay. But I mean, if you're on the run, you're on the run. I guess that's certainly something that he did. So, okay, where are we, real quick? We're in 74. Yeah, so 74 turns up in yeah. North Carolina. Okay. Not exactly sure where in North Carolina. Okay. But this is, he's Brandon Williams, and this is where he meets Sandy Chipman. Okay, at the truck stop. He meets yep. her at a North Carolina truck stop. Um, she was a mother of four children from two different fathers. So, Suzanne, born in 1969, from her first husband, Cliff Savakis. Savakis, I don't know, it's definitely uh, Greek. Greek, yeah. And Allison, born in 1971, Amy in 1972, and Philip, nicknamed Stevie, in 1974. Okay. 
So that was from her second husband, Dennis Brandenburg. So in case these are crazy and convoluted enough, there you go. You're welcome. So Floyd and Chipman, they dated a month, as you do, and then you get married. Sure. Well, why not? Like, why not? Like, we've been together a month. I do. I do. You do. Okay. Thank you. So, so Floyd convinced Chipman to move her family with him to Dallas. Yeah. So, then when Chipman, she was sentenced to 30 days in jail. (laughs) Now she's going to jail. 30 days in jail for passing bad checks. Also... I believe, check me on this if I'm wrong, but that's probably the number one female crime. Like fraud. Check that, check passing. I don't know. Well, it evidently was not her first time because you get 30 days in jail the first time you do that. Good point. This guy only got like six months for doing like, for like shoot him up, bang, bang. Right. (laughs) And you're only getting 10 to 20 years for... Um, yeah, for, for kidnapping sex, and yeah, yeah, sexual molestation. Like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then had these priors, so you're, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Like this, maybe this is not her first time. Um, this was in 1975. For those keeping up, um, while she served her time, then she left her children in custody with Floyd, you know, because that's what you do when you only marry somebody after you've been together for a month. You're like, this is a great guy. I'll just leave all of my, my kids. Husband. Yeah. Under five with him. Yeah. Or five and under. Right. So, when she was released, she arrived home to find the residence gone. Cleaned out. Vacated. No husband. No kids. Like, not even, those aren't even your kids, but now my kids gone. Yes. So she eventually found her two middle daughters, Allison and Amy. They were in the care of a church-operated social services group. But she never found her oldest child, Suzanne, or her youngest child, Stevie. I know, the little baby. I know. That's true. And look, he was born 74, so he would, he's just. He's just not even a year younger than me. Yeah. He's in between us, actually, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, when you put it through that lens, that really uh, gets you. She never found her oldest child, Suzanne, or her youngest child, Philip. So, 1978, Floyd is going by Trenton Davis, and he's with Suzanne, who is, um, he pops up on the scene with Suzanne, which is the, um, the daughter of Sandy Chapman. And um, they flee to Oklahoma under allegations of child molestation by the babysitter. She told the police that Floyd was molesting his daughter. And then in 1983, um, Suzanne is now going by Sharon. And she's enrolled in Forest Park High School. So she's in high school. And just to remind everybody, this is the the... Suzanne, that was um, from his wife, who w- went to jail and then came back home, and there was nobody there. So the stepdaughter that was never recovered. Thank you. So, and and then now Floyd is going by Warren Marshall. So, she, um, Sharon, in high school, she excelled. She just she was amazing. She was an ROTC. She ran for junior class office. Um, there's even her glamour shots that you can find online to use for her poster. Uh, those bring back crazy memories. memories. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, she earned a scholarship to go to Georgia Tech, and she um, had dreams of and high hopes to work for NASA. Okay, so she gets pregnant end of high school, and she doesn't end up going to college after all. Um, she never tells her boyfriend um, about the pregnancy. She does have the baby, um, and then a couple, a wealthy couple from Texas adopts the baby boy. Um, she tries to run away with her boyfriend, 
but ultimately she moves to Florida, Tampa, actually, with Floyd. But they are now Tanya Hughes and Clarence Hughes. Okay. Um, she starts dating someone else. Um, she gets pregnant again there. Again, doesn't tell the boyfriend, but this time she keeps the baby. Um, and there is where she gives birth to uh, Michael Hughes. Okay. Right. And this is around 1988. So Tanya and Clarence, they're living at Golden Lantern Trailer Park. And this is near Pinellas Park. And Tanya is working at a club called the Mons Venus. And this is where she meets Cheryl Camesso. She's also a fellow, fellow, a lady stripper as well. So um, Tanya and... Clarence, they, these are their aliases, like we said before. So, this after St. Patrick's Day, Clarence and Camesso, they get into a heated argument. And so, this this time while, he, so he, he's such a piece of shit that he makes his, uh, well, makes tanya strip while he just sits on his ass and doesn't do anything he claims like his back or whatever from his surgery and he's basically an out-of-work painter so um tanya befriends cheryl camesso this dancer and she realizes that what they're doing is they're frauding the social service and welfare programs that they're getting these benefits um and she's not reporting her tips and her salary so Cheryl's on to them and she gets uh, she just for whatever reason she reports them and so Clarence finds finds out and he's not happy about it and he gets into an argument about her but with uh, an argument with her about it um and because they lose these benefits and prior to he had actually uh, assaulted her he actually like hit her and left a bruise. So this, uh, yeah. Apparently, Cheryl Camesso and Clarence had beef, and then she retaliates by telling the government that you know they're not reporting their income. Then he retaliates by going to the club and punching her in the face. Exactly. So then we're at the first week of April in 1989, and Cheryl Camesso. This is when she disappear so the last time her family sees her she's packed a bag and she said she'd see him in a week um and so she gets into her corvette she has a red corvette that her father helped her buy with some of the money that she had made working at the dollhouse in orlando so in 1989 a warrant is placed on frank um so franklin or floyd which is actually clarence hughes now for fraud, he's accused of drilling holes on the bottom of his boat to collect insurance money. So he's just doing all kind of, like, just whatever he can do to get over on people, to defraud the government, to, from molesting children, to shootouts, all this. So, um, April 7th of 89, Camesso's Red Corvette is parked at the St. Petersburg Clearwater Airport and is actually impounded. On the 15th, so just days later. So, so they, the Hughes now, they leave Tampa. And they tell their neighbors that they're going on vacation. So, they ask their neighbors to collect the mail. And so, what they do is they actually move to New Orleans for just a teeny tiny bit. And they get married. So, if you're keeping up, this is his stepdaughter, that he's now traveling around with and now has married. And so they um, they moved to New Orleans and they are, in 1989, this is June 16th, 1989, Floyd's trailer is catches on fire while they're in New Orleans. Not suspicious at all, might I say. Then he tells his neighbor to burn the mail that he had asked them to collect. Definitely not anything suspicious 
going on. No, there's there. nothing sus about no, that at all. No, like totally normal. Like just the trailer catches on fire and then burnt. Hey, hey, can you just burn my mail? You know trailer what? Caught on fire. A trailer caught on fire. Can you just go ahead and burn my mail too? Then they'll ask you to collect it. Yeah, okay. That's that's normal. So um and then in August of eighty nine, they're back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Or like back in Oklahoma and they're in Tulsa. And she is at working at a strip club um called Passions. So she meets um, and befriends Karen Parsley. So, and she, Karen is also, she, she sees that, what is this guy doing, like, showing up at this strip club? Because they, all the friends that she meets at these the, these clubs that she works at, they're all, like, leave him. So that's what I was going to say. Like, she tells Sharon, well, I said Sharon, oh, my gosh, now she's, um, She's Tanya. <laughs> she's Tanya. Right. So she tells Tanya, she's like, leave him. And so tell Sharon's, I mean, uh, Tanya says, I, if I leave him, she's going to, like, he's going to kill us. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill my son, Michael. Um, I'm too afraid. Like, I can't. I can't leave him. Well, and she told her coworkers that he was, um, a, a member of the fraternal order of police and that he was well connected to police. So she would tell him that she, even if she wanted to, she couldn't leave him. Um, but you know, and these people are recognized that, th- that something really freaking weird yeah. is going on because first of all, this guy is sitting at the club at the club while she's dancing every day. He makes her dance seven days a week and turn over all of his, all of her money to him. She's got these awful, um, boob and butt jobs like that look like they were, you know, I saw that they were botched. Yeah. Botched, botched plastic surgeries. But not only that, she looks really tired and disheveled and just she's never well put together but she's working every single day and that's probably why she's freaking tired wow yeah i mean i can't even imagine who did these breast implants and butt jobs they just were cheap like play hotel cut rate yeah yeah i mean wow disgusting yeah Man, that's sad. So, April 25th, 1990, um, Tanya is struck from behind by a vehicle. And this accident is super suspicious. Like, everything While else. she's on foot, yeah. Yeah, so she gets hit while she's, uh, she's walking on foot with groceries. So, three witnesses, they found Tanya lying on the side of the highway. Um, this is about 100 miles outside of Oklahoma City. So she was rushed to the Presbyterian Hospital in Oklahoma City. She had severe bruising, um, a large hematoma at the base of her skull, and um, this she was found with groceries scattered all about. So the police thought that she might have been struck from behind in a hit and run while walking from a convenience store at a nearby Motel Six. And then when Floyd arrived at the hospital the, the next day, the next day, okay. He claimed, yeah, I mean, like, why rush to, to be right, by your wife's side? Right. I mean, there, there's no rush. No, so it's all good. She just it's got okay. hit by a car. It's okay. It's okay. Um, he said he had fallen asleep at the Motel 6 and that she had left to go get groceries. Um, okay, all good there, right? Because that's what you do. But at the hospital, so she was actually um, recovering. Like, they thought she was going to pull out of this. And then um, he was he was there, and he had fashioned, of like, he had scribbled on a piece of paper, like, no visitors, like a homemade sign, and put it outside her door. And, but actually, her friends who were on, who knew, like you just said, onto him and his ways, like, they actually showed up to check on her. And they said she was recovering. Like, the doctors even thought she was reco- going to recover and pull through. And then, well, yeah. Because she had okay, so the the nature of her injuries 
were like cuts and scrapes like road rash um except for she had severe trauma to the back of her head which is a little yeah you think somebody like hit her with a blunt fork like not the car but the car was just the cover-up so it looked like the the injuries from being actually hit by the car were not that serious but she was in serious but stable condition although like you said she's showing signs of improvement yeah i mean by the accounts of the doctor her friends like they they said okay she's gonna pull through this like this is a and then he it was reported that he was furious that people had actually come and seen like visited her and then the next day she dies yep nothing to see here folks keep it moving like this is yeah not at all so then um her services were held in um in tulsa but um floyd at this time he attempts to cash in on life insurance policy because that's what you do um and he has a hard time at first because He's changed his name and social security so many times that he gets frustrated and he actually gives them, breaks down. I guess in an attempt to, because he's so greedy and wants the money. Like he it's actually. mad enough to give him his real con- credential, not credential. What's but the word? Social security. <laughs> yeah, that. So. So he gives them that and then he's arrested because they're like hey you're the guy that's wanted from the 1973 kidnapping charge from the woman at the gas station in Atlanta that she side note he still gets the money yes yes he does while he's incarcerated so they're like hold up this guy is flagged as wanted by the FBI so they contact the FBI but we're still gonna cut him a check I saw that, and I thought, well, maybe it's kind of like the IRS, where if you have two people claiming, like for instance, like it, uh, dependents, and you might have dependent, uh, you might have parents that are divorced, and at the same time they want to. This is what I my mind went to. They want to file each, you know, each one files for the child, the dependent, yep. and then so the IRS pays them out both. And then when they get to the bottom of things, that's when they sort it out. And they're like, yep. okay, wait a minute. Like, you, you're good, but you, yeah. So I thought maybe they were just like, okay, just pay it out. Or it could be a glitch. Who knows? With this story, no one. <laughs> right, exactly. So. If you're expecting things to make sense and oh, add up. Gosh, it's just, it's very frustrating on top of confusing so um so in the mean in the middle of all this you know the victim we have michael i know and he's declared a ward of the state while this is all going on and he's placed in foster care um in oklahoma and talked to oklahoma with ernest and merle bean and the this is a couple that's absolutely amazing they've had articles written about them and how they fostered over it 80 um children and they were actually trying to adopt him because um when they received him in his condition um michael was developmentally delayed it's so sad um i think when he was around two-ish or toddler-ish he tested at a nine-month-old time frame i mean absolutely i mean clear neglect and you know emotional abuse because he was he didn't talk he had poor motor skills he screamed and cried and hit his head against the wall like it just is heartbreaking i can't imagine um but they actually did report that he was doing much better in their care and they were um definitely trying to adopt him okay so Let's just take a moment to recap here, um, because we're we're at 1990 now. So Floyd was arrested for the 1972 kidnapping of a woman that he attacked at a gas station while on parole for the while he's on parole. 
for the abduction of the four-year-old girl at the bowling alley in Georgia that he sexually molested. Um, he was sentenced to 10 to 20 years for that crime. Um, he escaped in 1962 while being taken to a doctor's appointment and went to Macon, Georgia, where he robbed the bank, stole the 6K, and was arrested the same day. Um, and then he goes into his story about why he needed the money to fight those trumped-up molestation charges. So he pleads guilty. He's sent to prison in Ohio for 15 years. That's when he's released to the halfway house, and that's when he attacks the woman in 1972. Well, he's getting picked up for that now. Okay, and we're at 1990, and he is arrested for that kidnapping charge, like you said. And they incarcerate him at Georgia Federal Prison. And so he asked Rebecca Barr to marry him, which I thought, like, okay, aren't you already married? Like, <laughs> does it matter? Well, uh, well, your wife died. Okay, I guess, right? But like, wow, like that's just kind of random, kind of thrown in there. Like, will you just marry me? Okay, fine. I, I got all this shit going on, but like, can you? So he asked his um, former friend, well, not former friend, but former inmate, Silly. Um, David Dial to retrieve his belongings from the trailer where when he was arrested. And then, like you said, he actually did get the insurance payout, which is crazy because you're incarcerated. Come on, guy. Wow. Um, just a side he note. He got to get his money. <laughs> right. Yeah, because he doesn't work. God forbid, you know. He doesn't work. He's an out-of-work painter. Because <laughs> my back hurt. Because why? Because when I was 16, I had a shootout <laughs> on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask. It's an, it's a, it's an wound. old wound. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's like, a GSW. Right. So then he's like transferred. Like you said, he works his way through the, the prison system again. Um, and then as a side note, his brother dies of a suspicious death in georgia and then his um sister tommy with a ye um her ex-husband's daughter's murdered in dallas like this whole family has all these crazy just bad juju going along with them so in 1991 he's convicted in oklahoma on federal charge of possession of a firearm after a former conviction of a felony so then, then in 1992, the court rules conclusively that Floyd is not Michael's biological son after the blood tests confirmed this. And then um, 1993, he's released from federal correction facility at El Reno. This is after 33 months, and he was living in halfway house. Um, then 1994, he attacks a woman with a knife at Northwest Oklahoma City apartment complex this is where he obtained a job working as a maintenance man. That's unreal. Yeah, he just is still at it. So then August 1994, he's arrested for the, this attack. Um, then he's released on bond. Like, And then we're up into the 90s. We're like almost in the mid-90s, and you're like... Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Hello, Priors. So, <laughs> you know... So, 19, September 12th, 1994... This is where Michael was in the first grade, and he was at Indian Meridian Elementary School in Choctaw, Oklahoma. So Floyd walks into the school. He has a gun, and he forces Principal James Davis um, at gunpoint to take him to Michael's classroom. And then he forces uh, Michael and Davis into the pickup truck. Um, They take off, and they go into the woods. Um, He handcuffs Davis to a tree and then speeds off with Michael. Um, the principal survives the abduction, and he was rescued by people. And then um, I just wanted to add this, too, is there was a, um, a Unsolved Mysteries episode on this. Uh, right? I saw that. I didn't watch the episode, but I saw that there was one. Yes. Um, I was. I actually enjoyed that. That was a nice trip down memory lane to watch it, um Unsolved Mysteries episode. Because but, that aired in 94, so... Yes. A lot, there's a lot more that's supposedly known now than there was at that time. I think obviously that was freaking how long ago, but anyway. Right. It was just, um, 
Uh, how curious. A stroll down memory lane, watch your favorite TV show. Yes, this is what started it all. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh, that's not I, even how it goes, but anyway. rest in peace, Robert Stack. So, I know God, he was the man. So two months later, Floyd was arrested in Louisville, Kentucky, and Michael was not with him, and he had not been seen since, which is why this made it into the Unsolved Mysteries. They're like, what happened? Like, he was abducted, and the, this was big-time yeah. news. You, you, you take the principal at gunpoint, tie him up to a tree, and then all of, over this little boy, and he's not, you know, he's missing. So, authorities had received conflicting reports as to what happened to Michael. Some witness statements detailed alleged confessions by Floyd regarding his death. Um, so, that, but, I mean, he even said that he told his sister that he drowned uh, Michael in the motel bathroom in Georgia shortly after the kidnapping. Um so, um, but other sources reported that Floyd had stated that Michael was safe and alive and that he was with someone else caring for him. Um, there's also, in that Untalked Mysteries episode, uh, it's very interesting to kind of see just a little glimpse into Floyd and how he felt because they interviewed him and he told the interviewer that um, it was none of his damn business where oh, Michael was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just like... None of your damn business. Mm. Like you don't, you don't love him like I do. So you don't get to know. Mm. Just kind of a yeah. glimpse into how he, yeah, how he feel about that. So, um, and then he committed. I mean, he continued to um, commit carjacking in the Atlanta area. Um, he was charged with five weapons possessions, two counts of kidnapping and larceny of automobile before he's even apprehended like this guy just doesn't stop didn't stop just keeps going um then he is um admitted at the grady memorial hospital in atlanta um and they discover in 1994 this is october they discover principal james davis truck in love field in dallas texas at the wonder bread factory for where the employees parked um and then 1994, Floyd is arrested at a Kentucky car dealership where he's been working for two days after the kidnapping charges. So, oh, wow. It's kind of uh, uh, interesting to know that he actually did apply for a job. Um, so then, then fast forward to March 1995, landscapers find the skeletal remains along an I-275 in Florida and this is discovered to be Cheryl Camesso's um, skeletal. Like, this is her. This is her skeletal remains. This is six years after she goes missing. Um, so, um, also in March 1995, this is very interesting. Pictures were found concealed in a truck above a gas tank in, um, like, the bed of the truck. This, um, it was a case. Well, this was, wasn't this James Davis's truck that was found at the Wonder Bread factory and then it was auctioned? Or no, is this a different truck? It is. It's actually Davis's truck, yes. Okay. And that's where they found the, I guess, folder full of the photos? Okay. Yes. So they, they did. They found this, the envelope was wedged in between there and it was 97 pictures of, um, pornographic sexually suggestive poses women were posing and this is where they discover that it's actually photos of Cheryl Camesso. They identify her um, with her jewelry and her clothing and um, it was interesting because some were colored in red and blood red to add like this death effect. Mm-hmm. So there's like this just just morbid like to just it's just not enough to have um someone that you've beaten up or sexually posed killed whatever you have to paint them in their own blood yeah yes so this was found by a kansas auto repair shop owner and he had bought the the truck at auction which is just it's just fascinating that this actually happened and he actually 
discover that he saw well because he's not too bright like no. you know he's already we've already got the situation where he went to collect the money for the life insurance for tanya right. aka sharon and gets you know he gets caught doing that well now i mean you're just gonna leave this pack of photos in the tire wheel i mean like you're just not real smart no not at all or just sloppy very very much so sloppy or maybe even arrogant i I mean maybe a little bit of both but um i thought this was interesting as well because there was a thumb in the um in the shot yeah that they identified as his similar to his thumb which is i I don't get that obscure yeah I mean, that that's got to be his thumb. I mean, I, okay, mm-hmm. right. a photo of a thumb is 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 something. A thumbprint is an entirely different thing. What we have is the photo of a thumb, and the quality of the photo was probably blurred. Sure, I mean, come on. That's that's why I had to point that out because just because it's ridiculous, right? Oh, there's a thumbprint. It's a male's. It's gotta be his. So, but they also identified his boat and some furniture and clothing too. So it's like, wow, like, you know, either that was just, just like you said, sloppy or he didn't care. Yeah. Either way. In 2002, uh, so Franklin is indicted on um, charges for the murder of Camesso. He's actually convicted. Um, he did appeal it, which, uh, like, the whole way he was just yelling, I was framed, I was framed, the FBI, like, doctored the photos, and I was framed, and it's just ridiculous knowing how this ends, like, how ridiculous that actually is. In 2005, the Florida Supreme Court affirmed his conviction, and, um... In 2007, Franklin's sister, Dorothy, she was attacked in her Florida apartment by her ex-daughter-in-law, Lynn. That's crazy. I know. This is just trauma just follows this family. Um, Dorothy stated that another woman was present during this attack. And the other woman stated that the attack on her was for for Floyd. (laughs) So Lynn was arrested. And then there was no way to verify if the other woman... Um, was president or not the other woman was formerly the mystery photo woman that was just kind of a side note it was just like just okay are, are you are you interjecting into this story or is there something to this I, I, just, I don't know so um in october 2014 it was revealed that tanya hughes um I get, yeah, I guess we'll start with Tanya Hughes. She was identified as Suzanne Marie Savakis, Savakis, Greek, the oldest child daughter of Sandy Chapman, who had disappeared with Floyd, her stepfather, in 1975. DNA matched Chipman to Tanya, and Chipman attempted to file kidnapping charges. What was told by the local authority that as their stepfather, Floyd had the right to take the children. This was earlier on, actually, but. Um, which is so many shades of fucked up because whether or not he was the stepfather, he committed all these crimes and they have photo evidence yeah. that he abused her. I mean, yes. anyway, that's just my... Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yes. So also in 19... I'm sorry, in September 2014, Floyd wasn't... He actually admitted to the murder of Michael... Um, this was after he was, of course, incarcerated and um, convicted and on death row. And that he said he had disposed of his body on Interstate 35. They did a search because um, they thought maybe they could find some of the metal pieces, like a zipper and maybe some metal in the eyelets of the shoes. Um, but they searched and there was no results. Um uh, and and this is really sad because the police said that maybe wild hogs might have eaten his body. Yeah. And that's very that very well could have happened. Um, they're rampant down here. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. Well, you know, as I was researching this, um, you know, at first I was like, oh, well, there's, you know, I don't have 
any doubt that he did kill Michael. Yeah. Um, but then we are going to, um, or I guess you're going to finish by talking about Philip, um, Sandy Chipman's youngest baby boy child, um, Stevie is, was his nickname. But, um, you know, the only thing that I was going to say is that I kind of feel like there might be a shred, just a tiny shred of hope that Michael is still alive. I mean, obviously the, yeah. the likelihood of that is very low, but it, I still think that there's maybe just a shred yeah. or, you know, some, some minuscule amount of hope that he's still alive. Right. Because they thought that Philip was dead, Stevie. And right. Well, they even, there was even something that I, uh, came across where they began to wonder, I say they, um, authorities began to actually wonder whether this baby boy actually existed because Sandy Chipman didn't have any photos of him. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't well, see probably that. because freaking fucked up Floyd yeah. probably got rid of all of his baby pictures you know yeah. so yeah. there were probably none that she had in her possession so they started to wonder like well would she why would she make this fourth child yeah. up and then um you know that that I guess is a good segue to what you were gonna say about Philip or Stevie oh no I was just gonna say that um that he had just been adopted that shortly after he was born, because he was the youngest, and that was like a good, um, happy ending to find out all these years later. And absolutely, there is the shred of hope that Michael could be alive. Maybe um, we can only hope. But um, also, in a 2015 interview with the FBI, Floyd admitted to killing Michael. He's hit the same day of the kidnapping. Um, he said he shot him twice in the back of the head. Um, honestly, my gut feeling is telling me that that probably is what happened. Yeah, mine too. You know, but, um, but I like the shred of hope that there could possibly be out there. So that, that's it. That's the story of Franklin, Franklin Delano Floyd. Thanks for listening and um, and hanging yeah, in there with guys. us. It was a wild ride. We hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, and if you all as always, if you have any listener suggestions, um, just email us at Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail dot com and rate and review us anywhere you rate your podcasts. Um, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So thank you very much. Until next time. You've been listening to Southern Discomfort with April and Christine. As you can tell, this is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. So we want you to be able to reach out to us. Send emails to Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook at Southern Discomfort Podcast. And on Instagram at Southern Discomfort PC. And for shows, visit Southern Discomfort.podbean.com. And this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Till next time, keep one eye open because you never know what you might see. This is Southern Discomfort. Signing off.